0: Welcome to the final episode of Ladywood, the show where two huge fans of Deadwood and one newbie discuss the show through a feminist lens. Today we are discussing the movie. So we were all newbies to this, our final journey back to camp. The film was, of course, written by the irreplaceable David Milch and directed by Deadwood mainstay Dan Minahan. And wow, what did we think?
1: It doesn't feel like a camp anymore. It feels like a legitimate
0: town. Right? Like, they really made the most of that train in the beginning.
2: I mean, it was, like, full symbolism. It looked so polished. Like, it kind of, it, it looked so new. Kind of like a, like a Disney frontier town, almost.
0: It totally did. I mean, the grime is gone, right? Well, not totally gone, but, like,
2: 90% gone. And I think everybody hired graphic designers, because all the signs looked really professional. I
0: saw one sign <laughs> advertising oysters,
2: and I was like...
0: Really? Where are they get those from? <laughs> Where are they getting, what, like Rocky Mountain oysters? Like I don't think <laughs> I want to know. Them.
1: I mean, I would eat one. I would try it. Maybe they're like, yeah. Are there such things as oysters in streams? Are there river oysters?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think river oysters is a euphemism for poop. Oh God! Maybe
0: it's the new scam from that soap with a prize inside guy. <laughs> river oysters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want to say. Right off the bat, the whole time I was watching, and I'm sure it was true of you guys as well, I was waiting to see when Garrett Dillahunt would make a cameo.
0: Oh, yeah. And he did! <laughs> with kind of a pretty bad fake beard.
2: <laughs> it was a oh, balloonish beard. What, what's wrong beard? With Garrett Dillahunt? I totally missed it. Wh- when did he show up?
0: Oh, like at the end when they're about to beat Hearst, he's a guy who like yells in the crowd uh, encouraging them to do it.
1: I also think he was... Pl- that... I mean, character was planted earlier in the scene when uh, Jane stops by the saloon or what's it? What's the name of it? Brandy, the, little, the number 10, the number 10. I think he was in that scene as well. I but... looked
0: I watched it again, as always. And I looked in that scene. I didn't see him. It wasn't him. But it's. it, it mm-hmm. looked like it could have been the guy who was O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> maybe I it was mean, him. I...
1: I And he had, and he played two characters as well, because he was Tom Driscoll as well, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Or not gotcha.
1: Not Tom Driscoll, what was his name?
0: No, I think he was, right? It was
1: Driscoll, yeah, yeah. Driscoll and O'Shaughnessy were the same. So I think that they serviced the fans in many little ways like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I haven't scoured IMDb, I'm just going to have that be my headcanon that that's who it was. <laughs> Overall, I just have to say, I don't think if you'd given me 100 guesses, I would have guessed that the through line of this plot would be everyone's still devastated by Jen's death. I mean, when we when we talked about that on the last episode, I think we were very sort of unhappy that she had been treated as sort of a prop. And that felt like, you know, they had done a lot to build up her character only for this moment of being murdered. And I was like, did someone travel in time and listen to our podcast and then go back (laughs) and write this movie about how much they all regret having treated her that way?
1: It was pretty woke for a storyline about a prostitute who got murdered, considering how many dead prostitutes existed in in the first three seasons that never got revisited right you know um i'm certainly glad they chose to like resurrect that storyline as opposed to try to wedge the theater troupe in considering <laughs> yes. how much of that we got at the end of season three they just <laughs> were
2: not in the movie and i think it was a total blessing i think blessed a succession production schedule that probably you know blundered <laughs> the jack Langrish uh, like days on set that he could do <laughs> Well, whatever dictated it, it's a choice of which I
1: approve. And can we talk a little bit about the flashbacks that we got throughout it, I guess that's the question I want to pose. Do you think they were used effectively? And do you think for somebody who hadn't sat down and watched all three seasons like we watched that they would have been enough?
2: So when I was watching the flashbacks, I really felt like the emotion of the characters. And I think there is something about following a character through a real time passage of time that makes us connect closer to that said character. And I think like a really great example of that in cinema is like Boyhood is uh, like when I'm watching Boyhood, I'm just kind of feeling like I know this character so intimately because I'm watching him grow up in front of my eyes and I think the same thing for the flashbacks in this case because those are the same actors and the same characters but 10 years before and there's just something about like the passage of time that just work it's like almost a trick on the brain because it wouldn't work if you just tried to disguise them as younger it only works if you followed them through that time period Mm.
1: in many ways so there's this thing that's talked about in television where If you've made a pilot and you're lucky enough to get picked up to series, the sort of network take is that in your second episode, you need to sort of restate the premise of your show, um, kind of reintroduce the characters, reintroduce the themes and and almost redo the pilot over again with different window dressing. I I mean, some people subscribe to that. Some don't. I I do think that this feature felt a little bit like a restatement of the final season of Deadwood. Yeah. Yeah. with the way that for example we're entering the Saul and the Trixie of it we got to a place in that third season where it was like oh she is completely in love of this very in love with this very deserving man and sort of recognizing that she wants to be in a relationship with him and I mean that was sort of what she did in this whole movie I mean baby and wedding very productive for Trixie
0: A baby, a wedding, a funeral. I mean, they're just packing it all in. Um, Mm -hmm. What do we think about Trixie's apparent conversion to religion? I mean, she makes a lot of comments about God and the Lord and stuff throughout this that I don't recall having been a recurring theme during the show. Uh, That went very over my head. (laughs) Oh, my God. It is, like, so apparent on the second viewing. It's like... Saul mentioned something about the scriptures to her, like kind of mocking her. I mean, at the end, she starts saying the Lord's Prayer to mm-hmm. to Al, and he tells her to stop. And in between, I mean, she just makes a lot of exclamations about like the Lord keep you and stuff like that. That was definitely not part of her character before. To me, it was really like there was these mere images of how the two people most responsible for what happened to Jen had dealt with it. And Trixie's was to sort of ask God for forgiveness. And Al's was to turn to the bottle in a way that he never had before to just punish himself.
1: I love the theory because I can't imagine what another source of like a religious plot for Trixie would be. Except her devastation at at what she was complicit in. Yeah. Is that also why we didn't see her areolas in the...
0: Uh, (laughs) i mean i definitely noticed that those were cut out and i assumed it was more of a contract issue but
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's not that you found god please please don't show my younger areolas to a current audience (laughs) (laughs) you must tune into the original episode to see the nips I'm sure there's, like, licensee written in. Uh, but I, I like that. I like Brandy's reading better than my reading. And my reading was like, oh, wow, they're just doing that thing where, like, whores find religion again after, like, a lifetime of being a prostitute. Which is, like, a really common trope that right. we've seen in movies. But I like your yours better.
0: Well, I think because it was so, like, it came out in bursts when she was really upset and it didn't seem like she was exactly like going down to Con Stapleton's church every day or anything.
1: Yeah, why is Con? Why is Con the new minister? <laughs> he
0: had to do that to get over his throbbing member problems. Oh my god, that was unlikely. That was probably the. St- stupidest cameo
1: (laughs) but were they just like how else do we get this character into the movie oh we need a minister
0: like after leon's death he just turned to god as well everyone turns to god yep meanwhile the doc is over here getting philosophical about like your energy and its half-life and stuff like that i mean he's like a pure like a philosophical man of science
1: i'm just glad he he lived
0: right And that really doesn't seem to have any TB anymore, so that's good.
2: Yeah, Lynn, speaking of like sort of reflections of the uh, the this last episode of season three, there's also a little bit of the pilot in this movie too because once again, there's like a claim that's up for grabs and everybody wants it, which is also the end of season three. But like it kind of feels, just because of the way um, Charlie's land was being uh, sort of sought after, it reminded me of Brahm and like his first trying to figure out if his land was valuable or not.
1: Mm-hmm. I, it definitely harkened back, and I, I think that the land thing, I mean, we got to talk about Charlie, like, a lot, but for me, the land thing was one of the only plots where I felt resolution, because Alma, we see her, of course, in the last episode of season three, sign away her land to Hearst, mm-hmm. to and it looks like he's about to complete his... I don't know, monopoly stake in Deadwood by buying out Charlie. And then, of course, he kind of gets his comeuppance. I mean, everybody knows that I wanted this guy to get murdered. I I, I feel no differently in the movie. I still wish he got murdered by the angry mob. But, um, you know, the fact that that Charlie denies him his claim felt right as a sort of bookend to that whole storyline
0: hmm totally and the words that field speaks about him at the end to seth where he says you know in that glimpse that he had of charlie before he was shot he seemed like a changed man he seemed like a weight was off his shoulders he was singing standing up to hearst seems to be a huge moment of awakening for multiple characters
1: indeed um charlie is not something i saw coming the fact that so much would surround his murder and um, the aftermath of it, that that would be central to the plot of this. I did not predict it all. And uh, honestly, it was very, very sad to say say goodbye to him early. Like I wanted, I wanted them all to live.
0: Yeah. Well, that felt like a very strong echo of what happens to Ellsworth in season three. Right. And particularly since we just watched that, I mean, even just like, the way that the body comes back through town and people find out what's happening. And yeah, uh, everyone is so devastated. I mean, it's, it's a very similar sequence, I think purposefully. So. I would, I would agree
1: with that. And, you know, I was like clocking the reactions of the people that we knew were closest to him. Trixie among them, Mm -hmm. Joni among them. Um, Jane probably most devastatingly because she was the one who knew him the longest.
2: And I think you have to consider that in, in 10 years that their relationships have only had time to deepen mm-hmm. because uh, one of the first things I noticed about all, meeting all the characters again was that everyone looked more prosperous. Like, the their clothes were all clean.
0: Mm-hmm. They weren't wearing
2: bags anymore. Charlie had gotten a haircut. He, like, was wearing, like, a nice new bowler hat. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm assuming in the time where they like a decade of cleaning oneself up one also had time to you know have really really you know emotional connections with each other so i think that's even doubly more devastating for all the characters
0: yeah well i mean seth says that those kids call him uncle charlie we have to talk briefly about martha and how nice it was to see her with a gaggle of kids after all she went through
1: and she and, like, Seth couldn't keep their tongues out of each other's <laughs> mouths. It was, crazy. it was like unbridled passion that we never got in the series.
0: I think they're truly yeah. happy. And yet it's also an amazing bit of acting, the look that comes across Seth's face when he spots Alma as well.
1: Mm. I also definitely want to shout out to the makeup people, the hair and the makeup people. I mean, the costuming is, you know, beautiful, but... The characters really did transform and not in the ways that the actors who are portraying them have changed over time. I mean, let's, you know, admit we know what SPF is now. So people (laughs) don't get as much face cancer and whatnot. But um, even like Alma's eyebrows just seemed done in such a different way to make her seem like a a lady of the time, Mm -hmm. like a polished lady of her time.
2: I was reading that Molly Parker was flying down from Vancouver uh, doing Lost in Space and Deadwood, the movie, at the same time. She looks
0: totally different in Lost in Space, too.
2: So, I mean... (laughs) mean, (laughs) It's, it's like, two incredibly different period uh, shows. (laughs) Like, one in the future, one in the way past. Yeah. That's pretty
1: incredible. And I, you know, I'm so glad. I thought maybe there would be a version of this that was about... Sophia as sort of like the next generation and I'm glad they didn't fall into that trap really uh, with the weird exception of the new prostitute Al's new girl.
0: Well I was gonna say among the many callbacks Sophia being a fucking waste of space (laughs) is a good (laughs) callback (laughs) the best callback of all Ah, And then, yes, of course, some mysterious new woman rolling into town. We've got to have that. At least she didn't turn out to be like someone's long lost daughter or some nonsense. I think my most charitable interpretation of having to spend time with her when we're so desperate for all of our moments with our core characters is the moments that she had with Trixie. And Trixie saying to her the words that Trixie herself probably should have heard way back in the day that would have helped her gain her self-worth much more clearly just telling her like the way that you talk about yourself came from someone else. It doesn't come from you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Otherwise I was kind of like, why is she here?
2: (laughs) I like the next generation. Woo. I thought that was really cute. (laughs) Oh, his grandson.
0: Yeah. So does that mean that Wu had a wife and a kid that we didn't know about this whole time? Because not enough time is passed to have a grandkid. Mm. I think so. Like he finally sent for his family at some point.
2: Um oh, well, if it's uh, if we're talking about like the Chinese Exclusion Act, that was like eighteen like eighty something, so I don't think so. um it, it would have been pretty impossible um until that act was lifted, which didn't happen until like the 1950s. Hmm. maybe not a literal grandson maybe a... I
1: felt like it was a literal grandson but From who who, but it, who knows <laughs> well, Maybe she's not, I guess, maybe they weren't in camp. I mean, here's the thing. They weren't going to invent new backstory for such a well-established character in the movie, right? Like, even if it was equitable to give a character of Wu's stature more backstory, knowing now what we know about how racism short shrifts the characters, Mm -hmm. like, eh, it would be strange to spend a lot of time on it in such a condensed amount of, space
0: i think a line or two would have helped me understand but otherwise i I definitely liked seeing him interact with the young boy who seemed to be a very charming little actor
1: totally totally can we talk about jane and Joni? yes (laughs) it was beautiful everything i wanted (laughs) so wait what what exactly were you looking for and what do you feel that it delivered
2: Okay, I was a little bit disappointed that Jane had, like, left town, I think, for, like, another chunk of time. I I wasn't – I was trying to figure out if she and Joni had seen each other in the interval of the 10 years or if she, like, hadn't been back to Deadwood in 10 years. I I didn't quite get that 100%. But I thought that – Connecting over Charlie was really important because Charlie is Jane's best friend and there's nobody that would be able to get Jane through another funeral except for Joni. And then when Joni just uh, when Jane made her declaration in the stable, I just thought that was the cutest declaration I've ever seen. That's all.
1: Oh, okay. it, it was very sweet. And for all the reasons you mentioned, my impression was that she had been they had sort of made a bit of a life together in the past kind of like after we left off in the series is what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And then there had been uh, maybe Joni went through a bout of depression. Maybe uh, Jane was like drinking, like they had had some sort of falling out and Jane had made the decision to go away.
0: That's, that's also how yeah, I was reading how it. I got it. And then after that is when Joni inherited the Bella union.
1: Yes. And I mean, this feels right too. I guess I should say Charlie turning down Hurst's offer on the claim feels right and seeing Joni's name. Although I didn't, you know, I was sad to see the state she was in. Her owning the business felt great.
0: Yeah, and as, as tired as I get of Joni just being sad all the time without a bigger story interrogation of that. Not to say that you can't have an interesting character who has clinical depression, but... Uh, More just the way it was treated in the writing. It was interesting that it seemed that it really was kind of because she didn't have Jane anymore. That she was having this particular issue and not the same sort of guilt about running women or whatever. Which honestly, the women were either sleeping with her or sitting around playing cards. So (laughs) they seemed to be having a pretty good time. I don't know. It, It seemed like a different vibe than the previous Bella Union.
1: It felt like she was sleeping with them, but also kind of owl-like in like the, it was more about comfort than passion or, I don't know, it didn't feel like, you know, she was taking much away from it, I guess is what I should say.
0: I guess what I mean is that it didn't feel like she was in the throes of guilt over what was happening to other women around her the way that seemed to be part of her deal over the course yeah. of time so baby steps yeah it,
1: there seems to There's be less obvious prostitution happening yeah. it seemed just mo- less out of the focus of the the show or the, i guess the movie as a whole mm. it was yeah probably there but we weren't seeing much of it
0: well the whores at the gym were wearing some really nice outfits compared to what they used to wear <laughs>
2: <laughs> they used to wear just like dirty bandages yeah <laughs> I mean, that was the only thing about owning the Bella Union for Joni that while I am happy to see her prosperous, I just feel like... Joni running uh, a brothel is not a healthy Joni. Like, no matter how you slice that cake, it's just like she has, she's just like a victim of, um, of, you know, sex trafficking and sexual abuse. And for her to continue to be part of that business, I think every day it kind of wears on her a little. And I imagine the opium and the other women and sort of like the general depression is just kind of like how she deals with it. Um, But at the same time, it's terrible for Joni because there's no other business that she knows. It's not like she can just turn her brothel into like a fish fry shop. (laughs) (laughs) I know she doesn't want to do it, but arguably a fish fry shop would make her so much happier. I mean,
1: you guys have definitely complicated my feelings about Joni inheriting the Bella Union. Thank you for reminding me (laughs) that it was tormenting her when she was in that business. Um,
0: Well, I mean, we've got, we've got a, a big deal here where we're about to have, like, three women-owned businesses in Deadwood, the bank, the Belly Union, and then Trixie's getting in here at the gem. I How mean.
1: amazing is this? And then it should be a dance hall? Like, <laughs> Al doesn't actually expect her to continue to run women and whiskey? That's pretty eh, progressive of Al.
0: My only complaint about it was really just that I was like, what about Dan? Didn't he literally build the building?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's Dan getting? What's Johnny? Well, Johnny and Dan are getting Al's money because there's the $14,000, right. right? There's the $14,000 in the mattress. So they're all getting a cut of that. Yeah, true.
1: What would they do? Do we want to um, suppose what their future businesses might be?
0: Uh, I mean, I'll watch that web series if, <laughs> if they want to get together. <laughs>
1: oh my god
0: you know WRL Brown can write like he should just do that like they should just do it as a podcast if they don't have the budget just the two of them shooting the shit
1: it's just like a a back porch on a ramshackle house in Deadwood
0: yeah I mean those two are life partners at this point so oh well I guess we got to talk about Seth and Alma and the little moments that they have together or am I the only one who still cares I mean,
1: it is a very... I think watching him tongue Martha, like, convinced me that things were as they should be. And I was a little sad for Alma that she wouldn't get, like, a second shot at love.
0: She's she's not married again. She's still Mrs. Ellsworth. And she knew to show up in Deadwood with a classy black dress in case someone got killed. Oh, my God.
1: That convenient. I mean, uh, of all the people who would accidentally have... I should say, not so accidentally. Like, she's lived in Deadwood long enough to know that black dress comes in handy.
2: <laughs> I mean, there, this could be a great reality spin off, a shot at love with Mrs. Ellsworth. And just like A second shot that. at love? Yeah, a second shot at love. It's
0: a third shot Ellsworth. at this point, guys. Third or fourth. Oh, right. What's with Kila
1: Tequila, the original one? And then yeah. now she's like some religious. Um, she's a religious. Uh, not just that. <laughs> No, not just that. She thinks she can control fire out of her fingertips. She's like gone off the religious deep end on YouTube. I'm not joking. She calls herself by a different name. It's really sad. Anyways, back to Deadwood. (laughs) That was a divergence. But yeah, Alma. There's nobody for Alma, I guess. Seth is the one that got away.
2: Yeah, I feel like Alma's appearance all felt right, but also felt a little bit like plot uh, plot machinery working, because why, why is she back in Deadwood? Just for the town, the statehood speech? Is that why? Bank, business. Oh, it's a massive, massive
0: coincidence that she, Jane, and Hearst all get back to town on the same day. Right. <laughs> for different <laughs> reasons.
1: Hearst, who is now a state senator from California...
0: A U.S. Yeah. senator from California, which is like what he really did in history. I guess it's the main reason that they didn't kill him is just like in history. He kept living like old fucking racist assholes do.
1: I wish they had taken liberties with that. I mean, if they made Jane a lesbian and she or she was married to a guy and I, I, I know yeah. that marriage is complica- complicated and stuff. And maybe she really was queer in the past. And that's just not the way that the history was recorded. And whatnot. But at the same time, it's like, mm, would anybody really have a massive problem if we murdered Hurst as opposed to letting him live out how he actually lived out? No, I think
0: people would have loved it. And by the way, Aunt Lou is still in town for some reason. We still could have had the poison pie. Uh,
1: Uh uh, That would have been so great. That would have been like the longest running payoff, like the revenge (laughs) plot that never died. And then her chance finally came.
0: It's a little weird that we never get to see what her reaction is to him being in town. I mean, it's a little weird that she's still there. And we don't know whether still under his thumb in some way or if him having to flee at the end of season three and the whole Odell business sort of severed their tie. I mean, that's going to be a perpetually unanswered question.
1: It seems like the latter, like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do wonder why she stayed.
0: Yeah. Well, and why did Fields stay? I mean... Yeah, why did Fields stay is a great question. Because he... the other people, at least, we were talking about, like, the capital that they're building there. I mean, Seth and Saul have built a hotel. I wonder if that was just out of spite because Hurst bought the other hotel <laughs> they wanted their own. But everyone has kept building there, and yet Fields doesn't even seem to be running the livery anymore. He's just out fishing. I yeah, know. he
2: does not look good. Yeah. I, you don't, don't you know. didn't like his long hairdo? I, I, his hairdo is fine. It just looks like he hasn't slept indoors in like 10 years. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: so as always, wishing for a little bit more on the stories of the characters of color, but yeah, I would have wanted more of everyone, not just them. More of yeah. Dan. That's my chief complaint, actually, is that Dan had almost nothing to do with the movie since he's like top three character for me.
1: He was not given plot. Uh, his plot was, we know Al's dying
0: yeah and he gets to pull out a gun in like one scene and be like put that gun down to someone else or whatever i mean
2: kind of wasted but we know. did get the return of lynn's favorite character the dirty long the bell's virgin <laughs> you know what
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna say it they they could be a character because i'm fairly certain they could stand up of their own accord That's sweet. and not only that but we got to see him piss himself those long guns yeah
0: Do we think that mattress has been replaced in the last 10 years?
1: No, no, no. (laughs) No, because
0: it had the money in it, right? So it's probably the same sweat-stained mattress.
1: Even the suit is the same. I mean, if it's not the same, it's almost exactly identical. I think
2: it's meant to be the same suit.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like, the man does not change.
2: I loved Ian McShane's acting in this. From, like, the first frame to the last one, his Face just looked like, I mean, the makeup artist did an incredible job too, but it just looked like he was dying and sort of reckoning with what he had done with his life. And I, I just, I wished Al were, and it's not that I wished he were at a different state in his life because I feel like all of the choices that he's made has led him to the point of the movie. But there there was a certain amount of sadness when he realized that he actually does love Trixie that I was like, oh, you did love her all along, even as you were beating the shit out of her. It
0: is sad. It's fitting that she's the one that's there with him as he seems to pass at the end.
1: And I will say that I think Al's death is one that I felt prepared for. Because it doesn't seem like the show or movies could exist about Deadwood without him. No. Like that, it just, he, he was the engine. He, he more, than, more than Bullock, was yeah. the soul of that town. Yeah. Okay, anything else that we need to talk Do Are we going to do most feminist, least feminist? <laughs> just to bring it all back to the three seasons we spent with these folks? Or favorite moments, favorite quotes, anything like that?
0: I I like the callback to the can we not appear as triplets when he says, can we not appear as quadruplets when he says I like that. <laughs> and, of course, we got peaches again. I mean, and we opened, like, peaches. the second line of the thing is a fart joke. I mean, there are so many callbacks. Yeah, that felt
1: really like get ready, buckle up, we're back in it, um, <laughs> the fart stuff. And also Jane drunkenly uh, meandering into town. That felt very like callbacky. Um, the peaches, I've noticed, they they each got a whole can to themselves. Again, they were no longer no longer communal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Jewel got a back brace, which was like an update to her to her state. I, I felt like it was very sweet to get her her and Al and some closure there. Although that is honest to God, the worst lullaby I have ever
2: <laughs> heard. <laughs> I mean, they did give Jewel like the the Mama's House wig from yes! the nineteen seventies. It's show. a really oh, bad Lord wig. It that was is a horrible. perfect
0: perfect description of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, I don't know if this is really like a feminist moment, but it is a triumphant moment for one of our female characters, which is jane actually facing danger at the end and pulling out her gun to shoot harry which totally why harry betrayed them is a whole other question that i don't really have an answer to
1: don't know and i don't super care (laughs) i mean not everybody can be so pure hearted and you know like like go team but i know he should have just stuck with being a fireman instead of all this nonsense (laughs) i mean oh we saw a fire truck. Did, did anybody else think that we were going to see the conflagration of Deadwood when, when Seth set fire to uh, Hearst's logs?
0: Yes, for a moment I was like, oh, is this what the plot of the movie is? Like the Great Fire? What year did that happen? So, but Jane getting her moment was, I think, a really nice bookend for her as well. A lot, most of our main characters. Got a satisfying arc for me in this, which is really like the most I could have asked for for what they had to deliver.
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm so glad you brought that up because her running from danger in any other scenario I would buy it, but I feel like we earned that whole defense of Seth, like she earned it, and if ever there was a moment to rise to the occasion, that that was it, and it felt like Trixie defending. It well avenging Ellsworth mm-hmm. this was like Jane's moment of that and thank god yeah. she got there when she did or else we would have had another Ellsworth situation on our hands yeah yeah
2: Seth would have died uh, uh one one small bone to pick Trixie like 48 hours after giving birth fitting into that teeny tiny wedding dress <laughs> like what the hell <laughs>
1: She had a girdle of some sort, you know, finagled under that thing.
2: Ugh. You could have girdled me with uranium and my waist would not have been that small.
1: <laughs> it did feel a little bit like how um, <laughs> there's that uproar about how the princesses in the UK have to, like, make a show outside of the hospital yeah. and they always are wearing heels and looking very chic and slim. That was Trixie's debut moment.
2: <laughs> yeah, Totally. I was like, this is insane. I mean, I'm saying this because I just also had a baby. But still, like, it, it was absurd. She was in, like, a corset that made her look like she was – it was like a Scarlett O'Hara corset, you know, like 20-inch waist, <laughs> two hands to span around her body.
1: I like, I, you just had
2: a child. I, don't I didn't think really so. notice that. I don't
1: that, think so. any <laughs> of that got into the earlier parts of the podcast, guys. Sita formed and gave birth to a baby. Over the uh, do you you are Trixie? Question
0: mark. <laughs> Am I Trixie? Do I get death? Yes, we have had a fourth podcaster with us along for the ride. She didn't
1: name Ellsworth. Sadly, yeah, I was I that was, was
0: our vote. Naming Hales I Halesworth. was trying. <laughs> um, well, tell Leo that this is his legacy. <laughs> I,
2: I will. You were here. I mean, I'll make him listen to all thirty episodes fantastic maybe
1: wait till he's i don't know three <laughs> it's like heavy content for a spin yeah <laughs> I'll,
2: I'll be after i start him on baby shakespeare
1: as narrated by Jack Langrish.
0: yeah <laughs> all right maybe we should wrap this up the snow is falling on us and on our podcast that was cheesy as fuck. like it does in deadwood sure yeah
2: that was super cheesy but <laughs> super i was cheesy. into it i was like <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and we thank you all so much for listening for being on this journey with us we hope if you have your own thoughts that you'll share them with us on Twitter because we'll still be around we won't be here next week though so find us there <laughs> at LadywoodCast
1: no idea how these ratings worked out for HBO but if they were so astonishing that they're going to reboot the show you know we'll be here
0: <laughs> we will be here in another in 10 your years. Ear.
1: <laughs> Uh, it was a blast, ladies. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I know we started it on a whim, but we really like committed, and it was such a fun time to like have other people t- to talk to you about an old an old ass
2: show. And I just, you know, it was a great time for me because I had no idea what I was going into. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you resent mm. What can we convince
0: Sita to do next?
2: <laughs> There's this show called the Wire? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I personally love The Wire. <laughs> so maybe it would be like Lynn's first watch of The Wire and <laughs> I could be like uh, I
1: tried to watch that pilot like 5 different times but I could not. I
0: could Oh not. <laughs> man. Oh man, we're in a danger zone now. We better wrap it up. Again. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the movie. Goodbye, little darling, we're parting Parting don't always mean goodbye Although we have to part, you're always
1: in my heart Goodbye, little darling, goodbye